to the Seahawks 360 podcast, a sports ethos production where we look at the Seahawks from every angle, every week. I'm your host, Candace Hagens, and as always, it's a pleasure and it's a privilege to talk Hawks with you. I, first of all, want to appreciate you guys' patience. It's been a minute since I've been able to record a podcast episode, and I know, I know I'm behind on a lot of things, but I've had several things come up with my family, a couple of family medical emergencies with both my dad and my mother-in-law. They are on demand and they are doing a little bit better but we would appreciate any prayers and thought thoughts good vibes you can send towards me and my family it would be much appreciated but i gotta tell you what i missed talking about these hawks and breaking down these games so i'm excited to get the chance to talk hawks with you because there's been so much happening the seahawks have been winning 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 there's a lot of ground to cover i'm not going to be able to cover up that ground in such a short amount of time but what i will do is pick up with the most exciting game coming up and that is the matchup against the tampa bay buccaneers against the seattle seahawks and i gotta tell you there's there's a very interesting lot of interesting storylines we'll talk about some key matchups we'll give injury updates and talk about the three reasons i think Seahawks have that they can win this game. So let's get into it and talk some Hawks. So first of all, this is important because it sets the stage. The Seahawks have won four straight games. They have surpassed expectations. They've absolutely been getting a lot of national media attention now. Geno's been getting a little bit of buzz for MVP. I don't think it's anything serious, but he is in the conversation. And I very well think that he deserves to be at this point. Tom Brady, on the other hand, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been struggling. The O-line has been atrocious. They've had a lot of injuries suffered. They just haven't been able to get anything going, in particular on offense. Their defense is still really good, and we'll talk more about that later. But it really is this interesting dynamic because while a lot of people are leaning towards wanting to go with Tom Brady, you know, given he's the GOAT, the reality is that Tom hadn't been able to pull out of this slump, and we're well over halfway through the season now. And Geno Smith, on the other hand, has been a picture of consistency, and he has been the better quarterback all year long by far. So there's, there's this very interesting dynamic about what this game will say for who the Seahawks are. And it's not quite the statement game that I think the Chargers was because it was such a swing point. I think at that like at that point in the season, I think it can swing your opinion of the team either way. Now, there's no shame to losing to Tom Brady, I don't believe, especially in a game that's in Germany with a lot of young players, rookie players who are contributing to your team. And this is their first experience. It can be really easy, you know, to lose this game. So I still think people will consider the Seahawks a very good team, even if they lose. But I will say it is the game that I think can is another distinguishing game. I think if they win this game, this team is considered, you know, basically elite. I think right now everybody thinks that this team is playing very well. If these rookies can manage to galvanize themselves and beat Tom Brady, if Tariq Woolen can manage to get a pick against a Tom Brady, if they can manage to do everything they've been doing against this Buccaneers team, even though they haven't been playing well, I just think it will make a statement for the level of consistency that you will be getting. And I think that would be what would speak volumes in terms of making the difference for how people view this team, not because it's just such a tough opponent. It's not like beating the Chiefs. I think it would just be because of how consistent the coaching, the players, 
and, and the whole culture around the team would have to be in order for this team to go out in Germany in a whole nother country against the greatest of all time in the game and still come out with the win. That, like I said, it would just speak volumes. And I think it's what this, this team has a good chance to do. But I just kind of wanted to set the stage in terms of what I think is on the line for this team. And I'm excited to see what happens. It's going to be getting up early. I know a lot of you guys got to get up at 6.30 in the morning. For me, it's 8.30. It's not as bad, but it's going to be, uh, I wonder if you guys, some of you guys I may record this game and I'm not mad at you and just watch it later. But it's exciting. Uh, the Seahawks have been getting a lot of media coverage because of it uh, right now. Uh, Kim Walker III is leading the leading candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Geno Smith is leading candidate for Comeback Player of the Year. And Tariq Woolen is pretty much considered second place for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Look, uh, you know, Sauce Gardner still has that right now. But I tell you what, if Tariq can have a good game in Germany, pick off Tom Brady, something like that, I think that that can go really far in terms of helping get, get him some ground made up for what he's what he's lost a little bit in the past few weeks and, and what see and what sauce gardner has gained so let's get into this game and talk about the matchups there are really interesting matchups the first one that i think comes to mind is pretty obvious and that's Tariq woolen against mike williams and Tariq woolen has been playing phenomenally he's been doing well against the elite of the elite it held deandre hopkins to zero yards when he covered him last week which is exceptional to see and Mike Evans has been really up and down this year. And I think this is a good matchup because I think Tariq, Tariq will match up well. He seems to do really well against your bigger, uh, speedier guys. Um, I think the big guys he can do well with. I think tight ends he can do well with. And I expect him to, to be able to keep Tariq, to keep Mike contained. My hope would be that he would prevent him from getting a touchdown. I don't think Tariq, if he wants to stay ahead in this Defensive rookie of the year conversation. He can't allow too many touchdowns. He's already allowed two. He did allow one against um, Zach Ertz, even though it wasn't for anything, but I think maybe six yards. It was a short yard gainage, but he did allow another touchdown, and Sauce has only allowed one. So if he's got any chance of still wanting to win that, I think that he needs to prevent Mike Evans from being able to get a touchdown and really get any yards. I think he needs to have a lockdown game. And that's high standards for the guy. I'll admit, I'm putting a lot on him when I'm saying that's what I'm hoping he can do. But he's been able to live up to the standard. And I would absolutely love to see the Seahawks sweep in terms of getting Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. That hasn't happened since the Saints in 2018. And what a great class that was to build the backs off of um, their very good run that they've had. And I think the Seahawks can do something similar, so maybe even take it further. So that's one matchup that we're going to watch for. There's not too much to talk about. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that one because it is fairly obvious and it's what a lot of people are looking for. But something that I think is going to be an underrated part of this game, and I think this part of the game will really determine the ability for the team to win. And that is going to be the matchup between Puna Ford and Nick Leverett, which is the backup guard who will be playing because their starting left guard is gotten, he's out for the game. We'll talk about injuries here in a little bit, but um, he is out. And so 
it's going to be really important. The best way to get pressure on Tom Brady is pressure from the interior. So if Puna Ford can dominate that interior the way he has, especially in both of those Cardinals matchups, if he can look that way, it will go a long way to winning in this game because Tom Brady's not going to be able to do anything with that interior pressure constantly bearing down on him. Both Puna and I'll throw in Shelby Harris, but I just think I would love to see Puna shine in this moment because he's a younger guy. He's He's been sort of underperforming, or at least he was when the season started, and he sort of had this emergence since they've changed the schemes to his favor, and he's been doing really well. I want to see him continue to build off of that, and a dominant game against the Bucks can go can do that. Nobody's really going to talk about that, but I think that's something that here at three, Seahawks 360, I want to I want to highlight is an underrated key to this game. And of course, the matchup everybody's talking about is Tom versus Geno. Now, there's not a whole lot to this conversation. Tom is the GOAT. Geno is the guy. There are a lot of stats that indicate that Geno has been playing better. He's first in completion percentage. Um, he's been great on third downs. Tom has struggled. He, he's been mediocre at best on like pretty much every facet of the game, except for pass attempts because he's been throwing the heck out of the ball because they can't run it. And I think that's going to play to the Seahawks' advantage. It's going to allow the defense to pin their ears back and just get out to the quarterback. And with an offensive line that's so bad, it's a recipe that works. I think it's part of what's been holding back this Buccaneers offense from really being able to have any sort of explosive elements to it. But another underrated matchup that I want to talk about is, and this can make or break the game, I think it's just similar to how the Puna Ford Leverett matchup can can make or break the game. I think the same thing for the Austin Black versus Vita Ve versus Vita Vey. Vita Vey has been pretty dominant, especially the past few weeks. He's been getting gearing up for more steam. Right now, he's got seven sacks, twenty three pressures. So he's really been pushing the pocket on the inside. And with him being a nose tackle, he's going to have a lot of matchups against Austin Black. Austin Black, who has been very inconsistent and has shown to fold under a lot of physicality sometimes, especially with really both in the run and pass games, particularly in the run games, he's been pretty bad. But I'm also just concerned from a pass pro perspective. Right now, Austin Blythe is ranked 31st in the NFL, according to PFF, in terms of center rankings in their offensive grades. So that's pretty bad. Um, that can easily be something that's a weakness for the Seahawks and something I think they need to try to figure out how to scheme around. If you can lock down V to V, I think there's a I think that can go far to helping the Seahawks win this game. This game, I think, ultimately will be won in the trenches. And that makes me feel confident overall about because I do I do feel like Seahawks, the Seahawks have a better offensive line. And I feel like they have the better defensive line, especially now that Shaq Barrett has been out. He has been ruled out for the year with the ACL injury or Achilles injury, actually, I believe is what it is for him. That puts the Seahawks at an advantage, but it doesn't mean that Vita V cannot absolutely wreck this game if you allow him to, because he definitely can. And that's something that you, if you're a coach, if you're Pete Carroll, if you're Shane Waldron, you absolutely have to prepare for. Okay, so that's easily going to lead me into my keys for the game. And I've got five keys to the game because I don't think it's as simple as just if they do a couple of things right, that means they'll automatically win this game. No, I think they'll have to dig deep and might list the first thing that I think is a key for the Seahawks to win this game is they've got a double team, double team Vita Vea. 
that's just the reality of it. He's their main threat. And if you can double team this guy, especially with the center who is as weak as Austin Blythe has been, he can blow up Austin Blythe by himself. And sometimes the Seahawks, particularly if Pete Carroll has had the tendency to just let guys get blown up, to have weaker matchups. Like, for example, this, this team has chosen not to regularly double-team Aaron Donald. Why? I don't know. But he kills Russell. Half of his con his contracts were made off of the back of Russell Wilson in the sacks that he got from those Seahawks games alone just because the Seahawks chose not to double-team him consistently. They would at times, but not consistently enough. And that's got to change. Pete Carroll has shown a tendency. Some of the things that were an issue before, he's gotten better at. This is definitely something I'll be paying attention to to see if he's really willing to do what it takes to make to, to make the adjustments needed to make sure that these the Seahawks can win. So that's something I'm going to be paying very close attention to. They absolutely need to regularly double team Vita Vea. There's no reason to, and if you don't, Austin Blythe is just going to get beat immediately. There's I don't think he really stands a chance. If he could. I don't think he stands a chance. I would, I would say if he can hold up even decently well, I don't think he can. I'll just be honest. He doesn't deal with physicality that well. And as big of a guy as Vita Vey is, a, he's going to dominate Austin Blank on a single block. So that's key number one. Key number two is going to be for the offense to run the Tampa Bay Bucks down. Absolutely run them down. I mentioned that the Bucks have an incredible defense. They do. They do. They are ranked uh, fourth in yards per completion. They they really don't allow for you to get a lot of yards per, per completion, but they are ranked 23rd in rush yards per attempt. So you, you can run on the team. You can run on the books and let Kenneth Walker, the third cook, let him tear it up. I think that the best strategy for this game is going to be run the ball to help open up the pass because they are so good at the passing game. Run it open. Force them into these heavy boxes that eventually allow for Geno to get the explosive plays because I think Geno is going to need an explosive play or two. It's been a while, I'd say probably since the Saints game, that we've really seen Geno just throw a bomb or just an explosive wild play. We'd really like to see more of that from him, just to know from me that he still has that in his bag. Because right now, you know, it's being evaluated from a can he be the future perspective. And with that in mind, that's something that you want to see again from Gino. I particularly want to see that he can do that on a regular basis. I understand he has been taking what the defense gives him, but I think the Sims got to do a better job of taking opportunities to do a little bit more, a few more explosive plays downfield. And the best, I think the only way to do that is going to be through the run game. So run often, run hard, tire down the defense, and then bombs away. So that's key number two. Key number three is going to be for the team to play, for the defense to play man coverage against Tom Brady. They must play man. Now, Pete Carroll, we all know, is a huge advocate for zone, that they played a lot of zone, and that's worked well against the quarterbacks they played against but this is the week that they've got to switch it up there is a huge difference between tom brady when you play him in man and tom brady when you play him versus zone tom brady against man is only completing 53.9 percent of his passes his passer rating is 82.7 compared to 
zone. Tom Brady versus zone is completing 69.9, basically 70% of his passes. And his passer rating is 97.6 rating allowed. Flatly put, he's tearing zone apart. And so if you want to slow him down, if you want to confuse him, especially given the lack of offensive line that this team has, play man. You got the corners that can do it. Mike Jackson can play man. And uh, you got Tariq Woolen. We know he can play man. Kobe Bryant, he might get picked on here and there. But because he's nickel, he might be getting more of a slot route. And, and maybe he's not. Those aren't as explosive plays. You can, you, can, you can deal with that. And Kobe Bryant has been improving too. So just play man. You got the quarter. You got the secondary that can hold up well in man coverage. You don't have to play zone. You don't have these quote-unquote zone quarter cornerbacks. So they need to be aggressive, man on man. Uh, if they if they are able to play that way, I think you will be able to get the best of Tom Brady versus zone. I think zone. I think Brady's just gonna pick that zone apart, and they're gonna just get completion after completion after completion. The defense is gonna wear down. Time of possession is gonna be to the advantage of of the Buccaneers, and that's been something that they've struggled with is time of possession. We'll talk about that here just in a little bit. You want to make sure that you keep them off the field. And the best way to do that is playing man coverage by far. The statistics show in that favor. So that's key number three. Key number four, like I just kind of hinted, is going to be the time of possession. That is a huge thing that has been a factor. And I just want to talk about in the recent games because Seattle was not always a good team when it came to time of possession. If you follow the team all year, you know that. But I just want to talk about the last three games in particular because the Seagulls have gotten tremendously better at winning time of possession. Right now, they are averaging 31, 31 minutes and 38 seconds of time of possession. That is the top of the top right now. Uh, that would actually put them as number seven in the league right now versus Tampa Bay. The last three games, they've gotten worse with time possession. They've only been on the field, they're averaging 70, no, sorry, not 70, <laughs> 27 minutes and 49 seconds over the last three games. That will be tied for 28th in the league over these last three games. So the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been struggling to keep time possession. Seahawks have been thriving in time possession. The way you keep that pattern continuing, and that's what you want to do, is keep that pattern continuing is by playing man coverage. That'll take them a long way. So that's kind of keys number three and four are pretty tied together in a lot of ways, but they are very, very important in order to really see the victory in this team. And then the final thing, the final key, that I want to talk about is just being opportunistic. If the Seahawks can be as opportunistic as they have been, and but what do you mean when you say that, Candace? Opportunistic, right? This team has been really good at finding ways to create turnovers, and they've been doing it every week. Kobe Bryant has had two picks and a forced fumble taken away from him um, that he should have gotten. That penalties that were given on the defense that had nothing to do with him. So those aren't even counting. I think this team would lead the league in and takeaways if it wasn't for that. But this Tampa Bay team will give opportunities. Right now, Tampa Bay averages almost one giveaway per game. That is the second highest rate in the league. Almost one giveaway per game. That's 0.8 giveaways per game. That is the second highest in the league. 
Whereas Seattle, 12. That is a huge advantage. Seattle doesn't really give the ball away. They give the ball an average amount away. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will give the Seahawks opportunities. Well, they've taken away, they've gotten opportunities on teams that necessarily don't give them away. So they definitely want to be able to do that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I expect for them to be aggressive, play aggressively, look for as many opportunities to push the ball out, to force fumbles, to get interceptions as they possibly can. I'd love to see even two turnovers in this game because I think that's the difference. This isn't the type of game that if you're the Seattle Seahawks, you want to be a close game. You want to keep them off the field, you want to get a couple of turnovers, and you want to keep it within their control. You want this to be at least a two-possession game, pretty much, at least for the whole second half. Because if this gets if this thing gets toe-to-toe and it's just one possession and it and it's and it's Geno versus Tom, that final drive down the field, I don't think Seahawks fans want to see that. This Tom Brady is the GOAT. He's gonna get that opportunity and he proved that against the Rams just last week. That's how they got that win. They were on an absolute spiral before that win. And now they now the question is, are they gonna be able to get some momentum off of that? Because it was a final drive. Tom Brady got it. He did what he needed to do. He flipped that game and he got the W. I have no doubt in my mind that he can do that again. No offense to Geno, but he's obviously not Tom Brady, especially in those game-winning drive areas. The best way to keep it a two-possession game, even if it's just by like 10 points, is like I said, taking advantage of those opportunities. Get at least two turnovers. I think that's a key to win a game. All right, so let's get into our three reasons to fear and three reasons to cheer. So, three reasons to fear. Number one, well, the Seahawks are playing Tom Brady, the absolute greatest of all time to do it. And like I just talked about, if it comes down to who can go down and get that game running drive, I have no doubt in my mind the answer would be Tom and not Geno. So, and to put it on top of, to just add to that, the Bucks, as bad as they have been, still have the opportunity to win the division because of how piss poor that division is. It's basically them and the Falcons, and they can definitely want. They definitely are looking to catch some momentum after coming off of that win last week. Now I'll throw this out there. In my personal opinion, I think it's better that the Tampa Bay Bucks won last week because. Had they lost that game too, they would have been desperate, right? After spiraling, losing so many games in a row, you absolutely would have gotten their best punch because this is that would basically be their last chance to salvage their season. Now, even if they lose, I think they could still come out after the bye and salvage their season because Tampa Bay has done that. They struggled. Not this badly, but they struggled when Tom Brady first got the first year Tom Brady came and they were able to win a Super Bowl because they went on an absolute run in the second half of the season. I'm sure that's in the back of their minds as well. And while it would have been important for them to win this game against Germany, they could easily say it's international. No shame in losing. Seahawks have been a good team this year. One of the hottest teams in the league. And they can easily move forward, I think, without any issues versus had they lost that game it would have meant everything for them to lose the game because Seahawks and a desperate Tom Brady is not a guy I particularly think the Seahawks want to see so even though they the question is can they build on that momentum I still think it's better that they won that game than that they lost it but it is still Tom Brady at the end of the day and 
Hey, that's reason to fear in and of itself. The guys earn the reputation. Reason number two to fear is just the, I, it, it ties in with reason number one, but just the experience. These are Super Bowl champions. A lot of these teams are, a lot of these team members are same the same team mates from when they won that Super Bowl. Not everybody. Obviously, the team is very different, but a lot of those same players are still there. So they've got that championship pedigree, which can mean a lot, particularly in these weird international games where pretty much almost anything can go. So that is one thing to be concerned about. You got rookies who haven't been in this situation. Everything is very new to them. And while I don't think this particular Bucks team has played an international game before, They've just got the experience in terms of what it takes to win games at the absolute highest level. And the Seahawks are still trying to figure out what it's like to win at the highest level. They're, they're hoping to get there someday. And then reason number three is just how elite of a defense Tampa Bay is. They are a stifling defense. They are a top 10 defense defensively, number nine overall right now. They have a top five pass defense, which is important because I think while I said you do want to run the ball, you can't just run the ball. Like Gino has to be able to have a threat of the passing game as well. And just from a head-to-head standpoint, you want Gino to shine, I think, offensively as well. You want him to be able to show he can throw and do be better, in my opinion than Tom Brady in this particular performance. So just with how elite that defense is, that's going to make it hard. They're not going to easily give you, give up yards. They got sound, disciplined play, and they got sound, solid guys who can make plays for this team, especially on the defensive end. And so that's one reason why you could potentially be nervous. But I'm really optimistic. I got three reasons to cheer that I think will make you cheer as well so reason number one the Seahawks have a huge presence in Germany <laughs> the Seahawks back in 2010 you were one of the teams that Germany used to get, regularly get access for in terms of access to the NFL and back then there was a legion of broom and it was Russell Wilson and a lot of Seahawks a lot of Germany a lot of people in Germany, Germans, fell in love with the Seattle Seahawks team. And that's carried over to this day. And I know they're probably also big on Tom Brady. That's fine. But I think between the German fans there and the Seahawks, the 12s travel well. The 12s travel well, I tell you. There are so many people in the Seahawks jersey. They've been talking about it all over Good Morning Football. The Seahawks presence is so real there. And it, I think it will feel more like a home game because of that. Now, not, there will be Bucks fans there, but I just think the Seahawks will have an advantage in terms of home field. That's going to play a huge role, I think, in terms of swinging this game. Number two, the, the Bucks have a bad offense. They just do. I mean, you could say mediocre if you'd like. Perhaps it's best to say Tom Brady has been playing at a mediocre level, but the offense has just been flat out bad. They are ranked 25th in yards per play compared to Seattle's being ranked number four. They are ranked 23rd in third down conversion compared to Seattle being ranked number five. They are 29th in touchdowns per game compared to Seahawks being number five. So there's just so, the Seahawks offense is so much better dramatically in pretty much every way the books offense and that gives me great confidence and it should give you great confidence be excited about this team and what they're doing because 
not many people expect that the offense to be one of the main strengths of this team, and it is. And you can truly say that this offense is better than a Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. And I think preseason, absolutely nobody would have expected to say that. And the final thing that I think will put that puts the Seahawks at an advantage is the injury report. I told you we talk about injuries, and now is the time to talk about injuries. The Seahawks essentially have a completely clean injury report right now. Right now, the only people they have that are even de- given a designation right now are Marquise Goodwin. He is questionable. I have reason to believe he'll play. Um, it's an international game. I think he'll want to play. And I, I, I just think he was questionable last week, and they didn't play him. So I expect after another week of being questionable, he probably will go. I could be wrong about that, but even if he isn't, like, Tyler's fine, DK's fine, they'll be able to make do. They've been making do without good one, but, of course, you'd rather have him than not. And Colin Gillespie, who was a special teams player, hadn't really given much playtime. He's been ruled as out. But otherwise, Seahawks have a completely, completely clean roster in terms of health. Now, they don't have Trey Brown. Trey Brown is still not being activated from IR, and it would be nice to have him, but... I think with the way the corners have been playing right now, that's not what this team needs. So, then, the Tampa Bay books, like I said, they've already lost Shaq Barrett. That's a huge loss. Their O-line is even more decimated. They've had injuries all year. But the guy who was starting for them, Luke, I might miss this up, Godiki? Pretty sure I messed that up. Sorry, Bucks fans, if you're listening. But he is he has been ruled as out, which makes their O-line depth even more shaky. Cameron Bright is questionable, and J.J. Russell is the linebacker, second-string linebacker. He's been ruled out. And then Russell Gage, the wide receiver, has been ruled out as well. And it's not a murderous row of injuries, but it's just in terms of the fact, I think to me, what's more significant is the fact that the Seahawks don't really have any injuries more than the Bucks. you know, just – I think it's tough for them because they're losing some real strengths in Shaq Barrett and yet another offensive lineman. So that's just another reason why I feel confident that the Seahawks can win this game. With that in mind, I just want to talk about one final thing that I think is going to be so important that I think, especially when the odds makers, like I saw something saying ESPN projected that the Bucks had an 83% chance of winning. Like, you got to be kidding me with that crap. Like, get absolutely out of here with that mess. Like, that is unacceptable. I can't even understand why the, you would think that the Bucks playing this badly would have an 83% chance of winning? Because of what? I don't understand. Because they're, I mean, they got a good defense, but the defense isn't stifling. Like, it's not the number one defense in the league. It's no legion of boom. In fact, if you want to talk about recent times, I think Seattle defense has been playing better than their defense, in my humble opinion. But 83% is ridiculous. I've also seen, you know, hype Sunday Night Football Twitter page posted talking about Tom Brady is undefeated in international games. Well, guess what? So are the Seahawks. They are 2-0. So somebody's going to lose. And I just, I see some of the analysts taking Seattle and and. and, and really realistically seeing Seattle. So the conversations have been in favor of Seattle, but it's crazy to me how these analytics are just coming up with these numbers. I mean, I don't even think that Seattle should be a three-point underdog. 
with no home, and they're the ones that I feel like will ultimately have the home road advantage. Like, Vegas has just been silly about the Seahawks this year. But it's fine. I'll take it. I, hey, fine being an underdog mentality. I'm good with it. But I just think it's important to talk about the momentum and the directions that these franchises have been going to leading up to this point. Especially because the Seahawks have been getting better and the Bucks have been getting worse. Seattle's imp- improvement on defense. And I want to talk about this a little bit in part because I haven't really been here to walk each each one of these games week by week. But Seattle's made an absolute killer turnaround in their defense the past few weeks. And I know you guys know this, but just a few numbers to highlight and emphasize how much of a turnaround this has been. Right now, as of the last three weeks, the Seattle Seahawks have been ranked number one in opponents' yards allowed per game. They're ranked 25 right now in the league still, but they were like 32nd by a mile in week three. So that's a pretty quick turnaround. I think if they continue to play this way, they might even be able to be a top 15 defense, which will be incredible. They are number four in takeaways per game. Again, this is the past three weeks, but they are number six in the league. So they've been able to do that consistently the whole year. And they're only getting better. And then... They have been their number four in terms of the least rush yards allowed in the past three weeks. The run game was a huge issue, as everybody listening to this podcast knows when the season first started. They are still ranked 27 in the league because they were that bad originally. But I think they're making big strides. And I also think that and I don't think they'll be able to be top 15, but they can get up to 20, even in the teams that be respectable, that be that'd be great with me. And I think at this rate, they can do it because they've been absolutely stifling. And I think playing the Bucks, who have not been able to run the ball at all, and I literally mean at all, like their run game has been non-existent. It's only going to help those numbers go even higher. So as you guys have been able to, as you guys can probably tell, I'm predicting the Seahawks a win. I think it'll be a pretty pretty comfortable win um my guess is the Seahawks win 27 to 17 against the Bucks because they just haven't been able to score points and I think it's got to be a two possession game I think for the Seahawks to win so if they lose I think it's if it's a close game I think they lose to be honest I think Tom Brady can pull that out but if they can continue to hold this offense and make it look as inept as it's been looking right now, which they've been doing a good job of with even better offenses. Not that the Cardinals are world breakers, but it's better than the Bucks in terms of offensive output. And continue to take advantage of all the things I talked about. The Seahawks have a real chance at winning this game. We'll be here with your breakdown. I am officially back. We're going to try to do our two-a-week podcast. I'll be here with the breakdown here. We'll break everything down, give you my takeaways. I'll do Seahawks approaches. I'll even do some Parson Pete because it's been a minute since I've been able to do that. Um, Again, be sure to follow me on Twitter at CandiceH901. Also follow the show at Ethos Seahawks. We hope that you guys have been enjoying. I'm hoping that you have to share back. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you're listening on YouTube, feel free to give us a comment. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think the Seahawks will be able to do against the Buccaneers this week. In the meantime, that's it, guys. I'm out. And as always, go Hawks.